something I did in recovery, which was when I first got sober, I looked at all of my fears with somebody else. And she said, okay, so why do you have this fear? And I would say, well, X, Y, Z. And she would say, but why? And I would say, well, because of and every single fear came down to dying alone. (laughs) You know, so it's like, how far back can you peel the onion to really like reveal your true motive, um, your true reason? I would say do that. I'm Doug Bopes, personal trainer, best-selling author, and entrepreneur, and I'm on a mission to help others become the best version of themselves. So I'd like to welcome you to the Adversity Advantage podcast, where we will help you use obstacles, failures, and setbacks to give you that edge needed for success. I'll be interviewing people from all walks of life on how they overcame trials and turned them into triumphs. So please sit back, relax, and get ready to be absolutely blown away by some of the wisdom and stories you're about to hear. Welcome back to another episode of the Adversity Advantage. I'm your host, Doug Bopes. And today's guest and returning to the podcast is wellness influencer and host of the Blonde Files podcast, Arielle Laurie. In our first discussion, Arielle and I dove deep into her incredible story of recovery, and I invite y'all to check out that episode in case you haven't already. Today on the show, we discuss the three biggest lessons Arielle's learned from her podcast, the areas in her life that she's seen the most personal growth, what Arielle's current wellness routine looks like, the questions you must ask yourself before getting a beauty or cosmetic treatment, three inexpensive ways to improve the health of your skin, why walking has been so transformational for Arielle, and so much more. So let's get this conversation going and welcome Arielle Laurie back to the Adversity Advantage podcast. Arielle, welcome back to the podcast. Thank you. I'm excited to be here. I'm excited to have you back on. You were a very popular guest on the show, and there's been many requests to get you back on the show. And I think my my first question for you is, you host The Blonde Files, and it's a very popular podcast. And I know the show has grown tremendously since we last spoke. If you had to pick out like like three of the biggest lessons that you've learned through your experience and in, in hosting the show so far, what would they be? Oh my gosh. Three things. You know that I always get tripped up when I have to do like two things, three things, five things. <laughs> I think this happened last time. I was like, ooh, three. Um, I would say for sure the first thing would be consistency. Like I think when it comes to trying to build anything, that's one of the most important things. And there have been so many times along the four plus years that I've been doing the podcast where I've felt like things are stagnant. I felt like maybe I was backsliding a little bit. You know, you constantly see what your peers are doing and feel like everybody is kind of surpassing you. And it's hard, but I would say just being consistent and being consistent through those times when you really do feel like you are stagnant, like you don't feel like doing it where you giving up. I feel like the growth is on the other side of that. So that would be one thing. I've definitely learned how to listen better. I think, I don't know if you experienced this, but like when I listen back to episodes, I'm so critical of myself, uh, which I think is a good thing when it comes to this job, because I want to grow and be better. And there are definitely times when I've listened back and been like, don't, why are you talking right now? You know, let the guests talk, that kind of thing. So that would be another thing. And what was the original question? How I've grown? Would have been like three things that you've, like three of the biggest lessons and things that have like helped you like uh, since starting the podcast so far. 
So consistency, listening, and I feel like those are such kind of okay answers. And what would be a third thing? No, you're good. We can just keep it to those two. I mean, I think those two are, are really big things because I think like they're cliche, but not really, because I think that's like a, it's almost like an overlooked benefit of hosting a podcast. Like I've had people tell me like, to your point that like, you're a great listener. And it's like, well, I haven't always been this great of a listener, but I know that if I interrupt my guests all the time, I'm not going to have good rapport with them, or I'm going to listen back to it. Like you said, and I'm going to be super hard on myself that it's just going to make the job a lot harder than it should be. I will say this doesn't really pertain to the podcast, but it was kind of an unexpected outcome of hosting the podcast is it made me way more interested in other people just outside of the podcast itself. So when I started, it was such a counterintuitive thing for me to start because I am kind of an introvert. I'm not shy, but I enjoy being by myself. I get my energy by myself. If I'm out in a social situation, I usually hit a wall where all of a sudden, you know, my brain is just done and I can't talk anymore. And so I really had to push myself to do the podcast because as you know, when you are the inter interviewer, you're constantly on, you're thinking about how to steer the conversation and it can be really kind of mentally draining. But throughout the years and as I got more comfortable doing it, it really made me crave those interactions outside of the podcast. So I became way more social, way more interested in other people, way more comfortable in social situations and like talking to people. So that was kind of an unexpected gift. And I guess a lesson that I got from the podcast that I apply to my my regular life. What have been some subjects that you've become more interested in since starting the podcast that, that weren't as appealing to you before? I think all of the things that I talk about on the podcast, all of the subjects that are covered are things that are kind of inherently interesting to me. I kind of vacillate between these two approaches to the podcast. So initially, I made the podcast that I thought other people wanted to hear. And I had the guests on that I thought my audience would want to hear from. And I still do that to a degree. But I was actually talking to Chuck about this recently. And he said, when it comes to doing something creative, you have to do what you think is good. I have to do what's interesting to me and hope that other people like it. Um, and I have to stay true to myself. So while on the one hand, I do want to obviously make a good show for my audience and I look at the analytics and we see what does well and what doesn't do so well and all of that. And we kind of tailor it to that. At the end of the day, I'm having on people that I'm really fascinated by that I think have something really interesting to share. And I know that you do the same. So back to the original question, you know, it did start as more of a primarily like wellness podcast and that I was doing a lot of physical health, uh, nutrition, things like that. And that was what I thought my audience wanted. But then it really broadened to encompass things that I'm interested in. Obviously, beauty is a huge thing that I love talking about. Mental health, spiritual health, you know, so many different areas. But that said, I have had guests on who are talking about something that I know nothing about. I'm thinking of somebody recently who came on who works with Dr. David Sinclair, who is a professor of genetics at Harvard. He studies longevity and they had a skincare product that came out. So that part I was interested in, but it was utilizing this organism that they found on the International Space Station. 
and it's called uh, Bacillus lysate. And so I had to like learn all about this organism for the interview, which I never would have done otherwise. Um, you know, so there are interviews like that where I, I learn about things that are completely new to me, which is always interesting. For sure. And I know that you've, since you've become sober, you've just become obsessed with personal growth and getting better in, in every area of your life to the best of your ability. Over the last like few years since we last um, connected on the podcast would have been um, a few areas in your life that you've seen some incredible growth in. I would say my spiritual life, that has been a big part of my life since I got sober and I'm constantly seeking to enlarge that part of my life. I don't think that I am better or worse off than where I was before. It's just, I just have a deeper connection. I can't remember when the last time is that I was on your show, but you know, I was really into transcendental meditation for a few years. That was hugely impactful on my life and I still love it. Um, but I've since like started doing different types of meditation and manifestation and it's been really fulfilling for me. So that would be one area. Another area you said personal growth. Yeah. Personal growth or just like areas in your life that you've been focusing on, like getting better at. Again, like kind of back to what I was talking about earlier with being more interested in people than I was before, maybe. I've really been focusing on directing my energy outwards as opposed to inwards. I think that for a few years, and this is really common, especially in the kind of quote unquote wellness realm on social media, there's, you know, this huge emphasis on self-care. And I think self-care is great, but at some point it can become self-obsession a little bit. Um, where you're journaling about yourself and you're thinking about yourself and you're meditating about yourself, you know, and it's just like I learned in sobriety and especially over the last few years that I feel so much better when I'm thinking more about other people and like what I'm putting into life than focusing on my own life and everything that's going on in it. So I think as the podcast grew and I got more comfortable, I've really been focusing outward as opposed to focusing inward. And that's been very gratifying as well. You brought up a good point that like the pendulum has kind of swung the other way in that, you know, you talk a lot, people talk a lot about self-love and self-care and being selfish and focusing on your needs that I think a lot of times people forget that they still have to like communicate with other people. They still have to talk to, you know, members of their family or, and they still have to talk to their friends. They still have to like communicate with employees, like whatever the case may be. And it's, it can't just be all about like you, otherwise it's going to be a, a very narrow, a very narrow world. And I think also you become, you know, slightly depressed because we're, we're wired to be around other people. You know, there's that saying like self-care isn't selfish, self-love isn't selfish and it's not, but it's like, how far are you taking it? I don't know about you, but my TikTok is all about self care, self-care routines and the journaling and the gratitude. And again, like all these things where we're kind of focusing on ourselves, somebody who's sober, who I talk to a lot about things like this says, you know, it's kind of navel gazing, like you're just looking at yourself and there's so much going on out there. And to your point, like the most fulfilling thing in my life, the most fulfilling area in my life are my relationships, my relationships with my friends. Like I have such deep relationships with 
friends, male and female, from the last few years alone that are like so fulfilling. Um, and I have to foster those relationships and I have to push myself to go out and do things when I don't like doing them and, you know, work on those. Um, and that's not something that I get from meditating and journaling and green juicing and <laughs> making tickets and all of that. Speaking of, of self-care, speaking of spirituality and like just getting grounded, I know that walking has been very transformational for you. Talk a bit about um, what got you into walking more and then some of the biggest benefits that have come from it. I got into walking when I started working with my trainer, Harley, a couple years ago. I mean, I've always walked. I walk the dog. I walk around the neighborhood. Um, but he emphasized getting a certain amount of steps a day. Um, so I focused on that. I tend to be a little bit obsessive about things. So I do the step count anymore. Um, <laughs> uh, only because like, I just, I, I can like hyperfixate, Right. And I was like, I don't need to be getting this exact number. It's more about getting out there, doing the best that I can, um, being mindful about how much I'm being sedentary versus how much I'm being active and moving around. And I did notice, though, when I was initially tracking that my sleep was so much better, insanely better. And I was also tracking my sleep at the time with my aura ring. Deep sleep was like increased by so much. I can't remember how much. And also I felt like it helped with my anxiety. And I actually had somebody on who cited a study about this. Um, and it was that walking disrupts rumination. So if you have the anxiety where you're kind of ruminating on things and something's bothering you and you can't really focus on anything else and you keep thinking about it, it can be really effective in disrupting that. And I found that to be absolutely true. So I felt like my anxiety was better. I felt like my energy was more consistent. Um, I'm sure that I was getting other benefits like circadian rhythm, you know, I, I mentioned the sleep earlier, but like going out in the morning and going for a walk and getting that sunlight instead of sitting in front of my computer or my phone. So it definitely affected a lot of different areas of my life. One thing that I've been focusing on too, going back to an earlier question, is like being more moderate with all of these things, which I definitely am. So I don't focus on, like I said, doing a certain amount of steps a day. And as you know, I got sick with a parasite in March and that derailed everything. It was incredibly challenging physically. So really since then, I've gone on like two walks in like the last two weeks. I'm getting my consistent energy back. But yes, when I do it, I feel just so much clearer, more energetic, sleeping better, all of those things. Did you ever get any kind of like answer or remedy for the parasite? Or are you still working through that? I did get a clear answer. So I initially got sick. I was in Miami. I had like a stomach thing. And then when I came back, I got better. And then all of a sudden I was incredibly fatigued. I had swollen lymph nodes all over my body, like muscle rigidity, migraine, but like so fatigued that I could not get out of bed. I've never experienced anything like it. So I ended up going to the ER and they tested for blood parasites there. That's how they found it. They had to go through all kinds of confirmatory tests and they had to do cultures, which take a few weeks. And then I came up false positive for some bacterial thing. And then that changed everything because the treatment for that is really intense. And 
long story short, finally, the final diagnosis was this parasite and the infectious disease doctor that I worked with just said that, you know, if I'm healthy, unless I have HIV or I'm pregnant, my body can fight it. My immune system can fight it. And so there was no treatment. I'm really sorry to hear that 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 all happened. And I can't imagine like how hard that must have been given the industry that you're in, that you focus on wellness and that you focus on these different habits and hacks to help you optimize like everything about your health. But I'm glad that you're at least on the the mend and on the, the way up from that. And hopefully like things continue um, to get better for you. I, I wanted to touch on something you talked about. Like one of the things that you're trying to focus on is not being so obsessive about things and practicing things in, in moderation, which I think is common for people who are in recovery from addiction. Like that, that gene is just still kind of like there somewhere. I wanted to, to talk about like, I know that you're very open about like beauty treatments and cosmetic stuff. How do you know that you're making a decision that's when you're, when you're doing these things, like, how do you know it's like not for the purpose of like wanting to, you know, feel outside of yourself or do something different, which is common with people who do drugs. And that it's actually something that you genuinely like want to do to better yourself. We will get you back to this episode of the adversity advantage in just one second. But first wanted to give a quick shout out to this episode sponsor, just thrive. I have covered the topic of gut health extensively on the show and why it is so important to have a healthy microbiome. 80 to 90% of Americans suffer from some type of gut issue and 70 to 80% of your immune system is in the gut. And while cleaning up your diet and managing your stress should be at the foundation of addressing your gut health, a probiotic can certainly be very beneficial. When buying a probiotic, you want to be sure that you get one that actually works and delivers on their promises. Research shows that 99.9% .9 of them die in your stomach acid before they reach your gut. That's where Just Thrive Probiotics stands out from the crowd. Their proprietary strains have been third-party clinically tested and proven to arrive 100% alive in your gut, unlike other probiotics that die on the way. But that's not all. Their probiotics have more clinical research than any other products on the market and are proven to work. So if you are tired of struggling with gut issues like gas, bloating, and indigestion, Look no further than Just Thrive Probiotics. So for a limited time, you can get 20% off your first 90-day bottle of Just Thrive Probiotic. So visit JustThriveHealth.com and use promo code Doug to get 20% off. Again, it's JustThriveHealth.com and use promo code Doug to get 20% off. Now back to the show. I love this question. This is like a hot topic on Reddit. I don't read Reddit threads about myself, but I know like I've been told some of the things that are out there and people will send me DMs and tell me that I'm like addicted to plastic surgery and things like that. So the way that I differentiate it is that for me, my addiction was, it was a lot of things. It was very impulsive, compulsive, had consequences to, like you said, you know, was trying to fix something inside of myself, some void that I had inside of myself by using something outside of myself. Um, and when I think about like the beauty treatments and procedures and everything that I've done, you know, it's not, I don't have consequences. It's not hurting me or anybody else. It's not impulsive. It's not compulsive. And I'm not trying to fix anything. Like I feel like I'm very aware of my motives. And that's another thing that I would say, like, what are my motives when I do this? And I ask myself that before I do something. What am I dealing with right now? You know, I'm very on top of these things through my recovery, as I'm sure you are too. I'm constantly doing inventories, looking at what things are coming up. When, if, is it fear? Is it resentment? Is it 
selfishness, you know, and, and I'm constantly trying to like uncover these things and discard them. So if I'm going through something and I'm like, oh, well, I'm really, I'm like having a lot of fear around this situation and I'm having these resentments around this situation and I'm having trouble in this relationship and I want to go get my boobs done. Well, then maybe I'm going to like look at the other things before I like go have the surgery. Um, so I try to be like really mindful of like the motive and what else is going on in my life and, and all of that. I don't know. I just feel like I'm like really fulfilled in so many other areas of my life. Like I said, spiritually through my sobriety and, and my recovery, that's like the biggest aspect of my life. And people don't see that because I don't share about it on social media, my job, all of these things. So I just feel like the other stuff is just kind of like a cherry on top that I do occasionally. And I don't have any expectations of it to make me feel different or better or anything like that. Thanks for, for being vulnerable and, and, and sharing that. I was, I was interested. I was curious. Cause I was like, I just, I, I know like in my own experience, I guess when I'm like, I want to buy something or I want to do something or I want to go do something to, to, to make me feel better. A lot of times what happens is it's like, I'm, I'm stressed about some other situation and I'm like, trying to use something else to fill that void. But again, like you said, it all comes down to self-awareness and, and asking yourself like why you're doing a certain thing and being able to gain like some understanding around like the motive behind all of that. And so I guess, so if somebody's listening to this and they're curious and they want to, you know, get something done, whether it be uh, a cosmetic thing on their, their face, or if they want to get like their boobs done or something like that, like what kind of what kind of questions would you say that they should ask themselves before going and, and doing something like that? First question: Why? Why am I doing this? Um, and I do want to say I don't think it's bad if somebody is like, "I'm really insecure about my boobs. I'm really insecure about my nose. Whatever it is, and I want to change it." And then they gain confidence from that. I, that is a very real outcome of doing this. But I think the why is so important. You know, am I doing this for myself because it's something that I've thought about for a long time and and I really want to do it? Or am I doing this, like we're saying, because I want a boyfriend or a relationship or like I want or I, I feel uncomfortable on the inside or like unsatisfied or unfulfilled? I think the why is the most important thing. And then I would say, like, wait on it. If you think about something put it away for a few months and then come back to it and see if you still want to do it, you know, because if you really want to do it, it can wait. So I think that urgency is kind of a telltale sign that like maybe you need to work on something, um, you know, and address like if there's anything else going on in your life, because I feel like that urgency is that desire to fix and that desire to fix is something going on inside, not something going on outside. So those are huge. What else could somebody ask themselves? I think that's it. I like following the lead. So like ask yourself why and then keep asking yourself why and then keep asking until you get really, really granular. You know, I'm thinking back to like something I did in recovery, which was when I first got sober, I looked at all of my fears with somebody else and she said, OK, so why do you have this fear? And I would say, well, X, Y, Z. And she would say, but why? And I would say, well, because of da, da, da. and every single fear came down to dying alone. <laughs> like, 
<laughs> you know, so it's like, how far back can you peel the onion to really like reveal your true motive, um, your true reason? I would say do that. But something that you were saying before, shopping, I will shop to fill the void. <laughs> like that is my my thing. <laughs> and I and I'm fully aware, like I'll say it. I'll say to my husband, like, I'm going to fill this empty void that I have in my soul today and <laughs> go shopping. <laughs> Yeah, mine's shoes. Like I'll wear a new pair of shoes and my my training clients are going to be like, you have more shoes than like me and my wife combined, you know, or something like or me and my spouse combined. And I'm like, I know it's just something that that I, I enjoyed. My friend said she can always gauge where her spiritual fitness is based on how many Amazon boxes arrived that day. <laughs> <laughs> it's so true. But, but again, I think like a lot of that, you brought up a really good point that I think is really important to emphasize in that a lot of times like doing things like some of the treatments you referenced or even like buying a new outfit or buying a car, I think in many ways can like build like a level of confidence that's needed for you to sustain, to sustain feeling better about yourself like long-term. I mean, I think there's a big difference between doing like something a few times and knowing that that's going to, you know, help you gain confidence and build your self-esteem versus just doing it like repetitively to where it becomes like an addiction. And that's like your crutch if you're feeling off and feeling poor about yourself. Yes, for sure. Yeah. And that's kind of what I was saying with like, well, yeah, you can fix something or tweak something about yourself that you don't like, or you just think you would look or feel better if you did it. Like, and you can feel happy with the outcome. You should feel happy with the outcome. Like, otherwise, what are you doing? But it's just like diminished returns, you know? It's like, you can't expect it to change your life. There you have, there has, can't be the only thing in your life that's making you feel better. You have to have other areas, um, other things that you're doing that are, you know, filling you in some way. What would you say or like, maybe if you could just pick like one treatment out there that you found has been like really worth like doing and investing in and maybe one that you see that's popular now that's a bit overrated kind of depends whether we're talking like minimally invasive or invasive but i think overall so many people focus on procedures and surgeries and botox and fillers and all of that but if you're not taking care of your skin it's you're only gonna you're only gonna get a certain amount of improvement from that, I would say. So I think like, and there is a big emphasis on skincare now and and all of that. So I think just taking care of skin, honestly, it's the best thing that anybody can do because you can get a facelift, but like if your skin is not looking good, it's not gonna look that good. So I think that would be what I would emphasize for everybody. And then if you are taking care of your skin, like these things can look really nice, like Botox, filler. I think that a lot of people fill when they should be lifting. So I'm not like trying to promote surgery necessarily, but I think a lot of people get like filler dysmorphia and they just keep filling and filling. And it's like, no, it's, you know, somebody needs to tell these people that like, it's a surgical solution, not a minimally invasive solution. Um, I do think this emphasis on prejuvenation and preventative Botox and filler and things like in people's early 20s is ridiculous. 
you know, when you're 20 years old, 22, like you can go out all night, you can smoke cigarettes and drink and sleep in your makeup if you're wearing makeup and eat like shit and do all these things. And you still look amazing. Like that's part of the beauty of youth, you know, so it's like enjoy that. And don't start messing with your face, I would say. <laughs> I totally, I totally agree with that. I think people are getting it like way too young now. And it used to be something that you would do when you started to see, I guess, some like wrinkles or you started to age a little bit. And that would be this thing that you could help kind of mitigate the aging process. And now it's become, like you said, this preventative thing where people are getting it. And it's like, you can't even see their forehead move when they're like, you know, barely 21 years old or whatever. Yeah. And I do, I am a proponent of like doing some surgical things younger because I think if somebody thinks that they are going to want to do these things as they age, then doing it before it gets to a certain point can be beneficial. You know, if you're doing a facelift in your, say, early 40s, then you're turning the clock back about 10, 15 years. So then when you're 55, 60, you're going to look like you're in your early 40s um, instead of having to go in when you're like, you know, say 60 and do this massive overhaul. So I think that rejuvenation, when you get to a certain age, that can be beneficial, but it's all dependent on what somebody wants their approach to be as they're aging. You know, like whenever I post about these things, I get comments that are like, can't we all just embrace aging and age gracefully? And I'm like, it's 2023. We have these incredible innovations and technology and everything like available to us and aging gracefully for me is going to be different from aging gracefully for you. Like just like wellness, we all have different definitions of what wellness means to us. And so I think that you can do both. You can age gracefully, you can embrace aging and still want to look your best. And you hear a lot of people who are older say one of the hardest parts of aging is feeling youthful. And then you see yourself in the mirror and you're like, who is this person, you know? So I hear a lot of people say like they want their their external facade to meet their internal, like how they feel. Um, Why do you think there's such a stigma against like the cosmetic stuff? Like I, I think I, I just see that a lot. And obviously we've talked about some of the negatives from it, but like why do you think that people like there's so many, there's so many negative comments, I guess, towards you and others about it. I think it's varied. I think some of the comments are just insecurity, somebody's own insecurity. I think all of them stem from in insecurity. You know, I'm thinking about like leaving a comment like that on social media. I wouldn't be leaving that comment unless I feel like something is lacking or like I, you know, it's kind of a projection. Um, so yeah, I, th I think also like people just get very dogmatic about their beliefs and to some, to one person, maybe they choose to age by not doing any kind of interventions. And then they see somebody who does and they disagree with it because it's not their way of doing it. And so I don't know, but it is, it is kind of fascinating to me and it's still so taboo. And that's partially why I talk about it because these things are so common now. And again, like I'm not promoting it, but I do think people should know what's out there and what's available, especially when there's so much deceptive marketing. And um, I just try to 
be forthcoming about it. Yeah. And you brought up um, like, like skincare and how that's really um, so paramount when it comes to like the way you look. And a lot of these treatments won't really be as, effe as effective if you don't take care of your skin. Like what are some of your best practices and and making sure that you take care of your skin health. We will get you back to this episode of the Adversity Advantage in just one second, but first wanted to give a quick shout out to this episode's sponsor, House of Macadamias. I have always been a big fan of macadamia nuts because of their taste, convenience, and incredible health benefits. They have arguably the best fat profile of any nut as they are loaded with monounsaturated fats. Macadamia oil has more monounsaturated fat than olive oil. Macadamias are also the only nut rich in rare omega-7 fatty acids, which can support natural collagen production, glucose metabolism, and help reduce inflammation. Traditionally, macadamias are super expensive, but that's where House of Macadamias comes in. They are changing the game. House of Macadamias has vertically integrated with 90 plus farmers so that they can make accessible one-of-a-kind macadamia products that are fresh from harvest with unmatched quality and price points. Their range of products have no added sugar or artificial ingredients and range from hand-sorted nuts with savory all-natural flavors to nuts dipped in sugar-free chocolate to creamy nut butters and cold-pressed extra virgin macadamia oil, which is perfect for cooking given its high smoke point and buttery flavor. And of course, they also sell simply salted macadamia nuts where the only other ingredient is sea salt. House of Macadamias never runs discounts, but they have a very special offer for my listeners. For a very limited time, they are gifting a free box of their sea salted macadamia nuts that are worth $35 when you visit houseofmacadamias.com slash Doug. You can also get 20% off your entire order with the code Doug20. Again, visit houseofmacadamias.com slash Doug to get a free box of their sea salted macadamia nuts, or you can get 20% off your entire order with the code Doug20. Now back to the show. Sunscreen for sure. Somehow this is another controversial subject, <laughs> yeah. sunscreen, who yeah. knew? Uh, but when it comes to aging, aging skin, sunscreen is important. And I do, I do know sun is good for us, vitamin D, sun exposure, you know, but like be smart about it, right? So sunscreen is number one. Hydration is huge. Sleep is huge. Uh, good nutrition is huge. You know, I can do all of the topical things, but if I'm dehydrated and I'm not sleeping well and maybe I'm not eating very well, like that's going to show up on my face. I can tell. I can see pictures and I can see videos of myself and know like how I was hydrating and sleeping and all of that just based on seeing it. And then when it comes to topical things, I have a pretty lengthy skincare routine, but I think really any expert would tell you sunscreen, cleanser, vitamin C, retinol or a retinoid. And that's really it. So you can keep it really simple. Keep it simple. And, um, yes. and bring it down to your tits. <laughs> Forehead to tits. That's your face. <laughs> I never knew that. So, so you learn yes. something new every single day. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's funny. I just, I got sent some skincare stuff and um, I was messing with one of my friends who's a girl and she's, I was like, should I do like a get ready with me video? Like as a joke, you know? And, and I was like, it was like eye serum and I was getting ready to like put the whole thing on my face. She's like, that's just for your eyes. It's not. And I was like, I guess I better like read into like more about how to 
to do this because I'm, you know, I just started taking better care of my my skin because I thought that I was just doing a good job by using like basic face wash and getting a facial every month or two or whatever. And that I was That's good. That's pretty good. Is it? Yeah. I don't know any guys that get a facial every, I don't even get a facial every month. That's very impressive. It's maybe like every, every like month and a half, two months or so. It's, uh, I still. get it. <laughs> But it, and it's, and it's more because I guess like I don't use a, like product on my face and I, I don't like do a lot of other things for my skin. So I just use it as a way to justify like, all right, I'm on camera. I try to like make my face look good. You know, I will break out if I'm like stressed or something, or if I, I sweat a lot as well, you know, just being a trainer too, that I just know my, my skin, my, my face has to be like dirty beneath the surface. Mm -hmm. That's <laughs> very impressive. I think if you're, if you're washing your face and you're getting a regular facial, like that's all you need to be doing. <laughs> Guys are lucky. It's totally different. Like I feel like women, you know, we're blessed with uh, very fluctuating hormones and all these things that really affect our skin and show up. And yeah, so I think you're doing okay. Well, thank you. I mean, I, I will say, speaking of the confidence thing, I feel way more confident if I like wash my face and I, you know, do like the, 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 the cleansers or whatever, and then the, the masks and the, everything else, like on top of it to like moisturize my skin and like clean out a lot of the stuff. I can definitely notice like a difference when I do it versus when I don't do it. Cause sometimes when I don't do it, like it can look like you just rolled out of bed at times, at least in my experience. And that's what I was saying before. Like it can be great. The confidence that you get from doing these things, you know, like I think of my breast augmentation that I did last year. Um, I never cared about the size of my boobs ever. I like small boobs. I like to wear like high fashion stuff and, you know, low cut without looking like a Tatiana. Like it's not my vibe. And I always just said when I get to a certain age, like I want to lift because I'm skinny. And so things like start dropping. And that time was last year. And I went into it just wanting to get a lift and then my doctor suggested like a small implant no expectations of feeling more confident or anything like that and i always talk about like how it unlocked this whole new level of confidence that i didn't even know like i was lacking and it's not conditional like if my boobs went away tomorrow like i wouldn't be you know depressed or anything but i it's an outcome that i wasn't expecting that i really enjoy so like if you're doing any of these things, whether it's a surgical procedure or like a minimally invasive procedure or just skincare, like it's okay to be happy with the results that you get from that. Like it doesn't mean, I don't think that you're turning to something outside of yourself to feel better, but it's just like kind of a byproduct um, of doing something, you know, and in your case with skincare, it's like you want to take care of yourself and this is your job and you want to present well and, and I think that's all okay. I agree with you 100% on that. I just, you know, I think that obviously there's a there's a there's a fine line like we kind of talked about where it can't be like conditional that whenever you're feeling a certain way you go do something, but there definitely is certain things you do in your life from a um cosmetic perspective like you just said or me taking care of my skin that will boost your self-confidence that will allow you to like just continue to be motivated to um to to work on yourself and to better yourself and to be like you have your, your, and then just feel good on a day-to-day -day basis. Um, Same with working out. I mean, we work out to be healthy and all of that and have energy, but like a byproduct of that is usually like, 
the change in your physique, right? And you can gain a lot of confidence from that. Same thing with eating healthy. We eat healthy because we want to be healthy and have energy and, and all of the things. But that can also have, you know, the outcome that your body looks a certain way. Like, and you can be happy with all that. I just don't see much of a difference. Like we get our hair, hair done, we get our nails done, all of these things. Like, I don't know. I just think like people ignore those things and hyper-focus on cosmetic procedures, not to make this whole episode about that, but you know, it's, it's not so different from training and lifting weights to look a certain way or whatever. But yeah, I think to your point earlier, it all comes back to the why, right? And like, I think if you're doing these cosmetic treatments and these beauty treatments, because you just genuinely are already fulfilled with yourself and you just want to do it because you just believe it'll just add something to your life that will lead to you feeling better about yourself long-term and all these other things, then that's obviously great. And the same thing with like working out that if your why is to work on your physique, get stronger, improve your overall health, feel better about yourself, improve your mood, your self-confidence, then I just think that there's nothing wrong with either of those two things. As long as it's not like the the fix for every problem that comes up in your life. Exactly. Mm -hmm. So I know walking was like a big wellness um, addition to your routine, consistent walking, I should say, and, and tracking steps and how it's like helped you um, to optimize your mental health, your mood and, and stuff like that over the last couple of years. What's like the current thing in 2023 that you found has been a, a great addition or something that you've really been focusing on when it comes to your wellness? Well, since I did have that parasite disruption, just as I was getting back into a groove too with walking and Pilates and training and all of that, I had to figure out other ways to practice wellness, I guess. Um, I got really into cooking again this year, which was great. I was starting to rely really heavily on like takeout and things like that. And there's nothing wrong with that either, but I could definitely feel a difference. And it's not just the food itself, but it's the act of getting groceries and thinking of a recipe to make and preparing the food and cooking. And it's like hours where I'm not on my phone, usually, unless I'm like filming it. Um, and I'm just doing something that I genuinely enjoy, which I think we're all kind of losing sight of, especially when everything can be content. Um, so not only do I feel better physically, I feel better mentally too when I do that, you know, where it's a certain time of day, I'm done with work, I'm going to take the next two hours to prepare and cook this meal. And it's just been so beneficial with boundaries, with work and everything. So that would be one thing that carried over. And then, like I was saying before, kind of switched the type of meditation that I did. I don't know if you're familiar with Joe Dispenza. <laughs> I got very into Joe Dispenza. His voice though, like some of his voice, his voice during some of his meditations. It's... I actually, yes, I know. I was like, why is he yelling at me? Um, I found a video where he was talking about why he did that. And they said that they did studies where they would look at people's brains during the meditations. And the more that he could disconnect from himself, the deeper the meditation people had. So when he kind of sounds like this robot almost, um, very flat, 
even tone, you know, he's talking like that. Um, people had a deeper meditative experience, which kind of makes sense. Um, and I don't agree with like every single thing that he talks about, but when I did his course, I did his formula course online, kind of right around the time that I got the parasite. So I was like in bed, had nothing going on for me. And I was like, I'm going to, you know, do a deep dive here. It all just kind of clicked. You know, it it just, it was what I needed at that time. And at this time in my life where I was kind of feeling stagnant with TM, I was feeling a little bit self-obsessive and there were just other things going on in my life. And his approach just really made sense to me. And so this idea of not only thinking about what you want, and I do his morning meditation so you can find that one on Spotify. It's 24 minutes. He doesn't do the weird voice. So he's not like yelling at you. It's not distracting in that way. He talks about like, who do you want to be? That's how I think of it. Who do I want to be? How can I, what is my vision for the future? And then look at myself from a bird's eye view and who do I not want to be? And it's this way of like, just seeing very clearly, um, who I want to embody, like what I want to do in that day, how I want to show up, who I don't want to be, and then what is my vision for the future? And not only that, but to feel those feelings of the future. You know, he talks about like selecting a potential that already exists. Oh, selecting a potential that already exists and feeling the emotions of whatever you want to happen happening. And I really feel like it totally changes my energy. It's crazy. And I feel like so many things that I've thought about have come to fruition. So that has been huge for me as well. I think it's really cool that you found this, this thing with Joe Dispenza, um, like outside of, of that and, and walking, um, like what are some things that you do and, and cooking outside of like walking, cooking and the meditation stuff? Like, what are some things that you do on a, on a daily basis or weekly basis to help like with anxiety, help improve your mental health and stuff like that. Let's see. I'm, I'm going through my routine. I wake up, I do meditation. Now that I'm feeling better, I walk or I work out. I'm a proponent of therapy. I'm not in therapy all the time, but it's extremely helpful. And then back to what I was saying in the beginning, like I just turn my energy outwards. After a certain point in the morning, I put I turn that energy out. Something that I've really done this year and last year as well is show up despite how I'm feeling, show up despite the anxiety. You know, I have a job where my schedule largely is in my control. So I have deliverables, you know, that have due dates and things like that. And I have certain interviews that have to be done at certain times. But for the most part, I can make my schedule. And while that's great, it also enabled me in the past to, I don't know, like if I would have anxiety, which I do sometimes wake up with just crazy anxiety, like physiological, it doesn't even feel like it's mental, emotional. I would like acquiesce to that. And I would cancel my day because I was so anxious and I would sit at home and I would just think about how anxious I was and try to meditate the anxiety away or try to resist it somehow. And I don't do that anymore. Like I show up no matter what. And that's actually been the best thing for my anxiety. Um, I really don't struggle with anxiety as much as I used to. And 
I have that evidence from the past few years of just walking through that, showing up to whatever commitment I have that day, whatever commitments I have that day, despite feeling anxious um, and getting through it and realizing that like it doesn't have to control me. That's been huge for me. I love that. Just showing up whenever, even if you're not um, feeling your best. Um, one of the last things I want to to talk to you about is like, obviously one of the things you're known for is your recipes and, you know, showing your audience like what you eat in a day. And I know that it, at least it used to be like, you used to eat mostly like, I guess, I think plant-based if I remember correctly. Um, what is your like nutrition palette look like now and has it changed since um, the paras the parasite? <laughs> oh yeah. Well, yeah. So I've always been like plant predominant and then I would do like seafood, mainly that. So I would say like pescatarian. Um, Pre-parasite last October, I got food poisoning, like really bad. Not that any food poisoning is good, but I've never had it before in my life and it was shocking and it was from salmon. So that changed everything for me because <laughs> suddenly I was like, oh, this thing that I eat four times a week, at least, you know, that was like my main source of protein was salmon. I can't stomach the idea of it anymore. And I still can't. I don't know if I'll ever eat salmon again. And that went for every kind of like fish, anything. I just had no appetite for it. So I kind of had to find new things to eat, uh, new sources of protein. I will say though, I think I probably eat half the protein a day that I did back when I was eating salmon. And I seem to be doing well. Like I feel really well. And actually Simon Hill was on my podcast last week. The episode isn't out yet. Um, but we were talking about if certain people are more, say, carb efficient and somebody else is more fat efficient. And he said he doesn't know. I, I think I don't want to misquote him, but I think he said, like, not sure if somebody genetically is more, you know, quote unquote, carb efficient, like you can eat more carbs and metabolize them faster and have more energy. But we might kind of condition ourselves to be that way. I think my diet has remained really plant predominant, but I've incorporated a lot more carbs because I'm not eating as much like fish and things like that. So I'll drink bone broth and then I'll have like some kind of rice bowl with vegetables um, or like a brown rice pasta with vegetables, like a lot more carbs than I was eating. And I have to say like I'm leaner than I ever was. <laughs> um, I feel like my energy is better, but I think we talked about this in the episode too, where he said like, because that might be more satiating, like I might be eating less calories than I was when I was doing more like protein vegetable type diet. But that's kind of what I've been doing lately. Yeah, I think there's something to be said if you're eating more like carbs and the carbs have fiber in them and stuff like that, it's more satiating and you'll be prone to to eating um, less food. And plus, I would, I would imagine that if you're like having to make up the calories and stuff from not eating the salmon that you're eating more um, fruits, vegetables, and carbs that again can be uh, more filling if they have um, more fiber. So you end up, I think, um, eating less um, long term. What's what's been a recent recipe that you've made that you've been super excited about that um, that your audience has loved as well? So there have been two recently. There's the yogurt. I don't know if you saw this protein yogurt with this like chocolate shell 
Have you seen that yet? The yogurt cup? That was huge. And that wasn't my original recipe. I saw it online, but I kind of tweaked it to make it plant-based. I used Kalina coconut yogurt, which is like the best consistency in my opinion. It's not watery like a lot of plant-based yogurts. It's really thick. So I mixed that with a scoop of vanilla protein powder. So it kind of tastes like cheesecake. And then I just melt just a little bit of chocolate, pour it on top, crush some pistachios, add a little sea salt, put it in the freezer for 15 minutes. And then when you take it out, it has like this kind of hard chocolate shell. And then it's depending on how much protein you use and what kind of yogurt. If you use Greek yogurt, you know, it could be 30 grams of protein just in that one thing. So that's been great. And then to the carb thing, been making this pasta like nonstop. I really got to start making something else because I make brown rice pasta um, with kind of crispy sautéed kale and uh, sautéed cherry tomatoes, black olives, and like a plant-based ricotta. And it has a chokehold on me. It's like I don't want to eat any else. <laughs> it's so good. And I always am mindful of like heavy on the plants and like not, you know, I'm not, uh, I'm not trying not to eat carbs or anything, but the more fiber and plants that I can get, the more fiber ratio to like pasta ratio. Um, I try to be like, you know, pretty mindful of that, but it's really satiating. It's so good. You can eat it hot or cold. So you can like prep it and it lasts. If you want to add some like turkey meatballs or meatballs to it, like that would be really good. So I've been making that a lot too. That's awesome. I'm actually going to have to try that, uh, that pasta recipe. It sounds so, so good. It's so good and so simple. It takes, that's another thing. It takes 15 minutes to make the whole thing. I'm all about efficiency. Yeah. I'm going to have to try. I mean, I might actually go try that tonight because I'm like, I was actually trying to think of like what I was going to make for dinner. That just might be what I make i might add some like grilled chicken or something to it just to that would be so good get some more protein um mm -hmm. yeah i drink bone broth before so i get these uh i can't remember the brand but it, it's 16 grams of protein per serving and i have two servings and i drink it before i eat and i feel like it's really good for my gut health um and i feel like it's also good because again like i don't want this to come off wrong like i'm trying not to eat a lot but like when i have that before i eat I'm already kind of like satiated in a way before I'm sitting down to eat. So I'm not sitting until I'm like overstuffed and like over full. Like it just kind of helps in that way too. Now people are going to think I'm like Gwyneth Paltrow, like drinking the bone broth and fasting and everything. <laughs> what did you think about that whole thing? I know, I think we, I think, I, I don't know if you, if I heard you, I don't think I heard you talk about, like, what did you think about like how people came and just crushed her online. I mean, I know that you're in this, this sim, uh, we're all in the similar space where we're trying to come out with content that helps people to the best of our ability without like, you know, necessarily making somebody feel less than, um, what did you, what did you think about that situation? I think she's an easy target. Um, and I think it was, the response was blown out of proportion and I think it was taken out of context, which as you know, like having a podcast, happens all the time um and i don't think there was anything wrong with it so just disclaimer i didn't listen to the whole thing but i'm pretty sure that it was she wakes up in the morning she drinks her coffee or something she fasts until like noon or something and then she has bone broth and then she does her sauna and then she has like a paleo dinner i mean it's going with paltrow like what do you expect from her first of all second of all it's not like that unhealthy like again what i was saying earlier wellness for me is different for, from 
Gwyneth Paltrow's version of wellness is different from your version of wellness. If that's what she does that makes her feel her best, great. And I think that there is this thing where like a male can talk about fasting for longevity for three days, you know, or seven days or water fasting or not eating until dinner, you know, eating one meal a day. I think when it's a woman, especially when it's someone like Gwyneth Paltrow, it's labeled as diet culture. So I just think it's it's like there's a lot of hypocrisy there. So yeah, I thought it was a little ridiculous. Yeah, I agree. I thought it was a bit uh, like blown out of proportion because I think, again, it's like you don't you never want to judge a book by its cover. Again, what works for her doesn't have to work for you. And I think just being able to have the the self-awareness and the perspective on that, I just think is so important when you're consuming content, when you're listening to podcasts. Like, I don't think the goal of listening to a podcast is to just take everything somebody's saying and just applying every single thing to your life. It's like, all right, like I, re- I align with this. I, I don't align with that. I, you know, I resonate with this. I don't resonate with that. And then you like figure out like where that all fits into your life and where you're at and that certain, where you're at in that certain level of your, your life that you're trying to improve upon. I mean, I don't think it has to be this thing where you're just taking everything that your favorite podcast host or influencer or celebrity says and just applying every single thing and just expecting to to live the same life as them yeah i got a comment on tiktok like yesterday or today (laughs) person said all of your guests contradict they all contradict each other and it makes you lose credibility and i was like my podcast isn't an echo chamber and even people within the scientific community have different opinions on things like you know and it's not gospel not everything that every person that comes on my podcast is saying is gospel like you have to take what works for you and discard the rest and try different things and find what works for you like there's so many other things that come into play like bioindividuality I mean if I didn't eat till noon I would be starving and like angry and tired and stressed, you know, like it just wouldn't work for me. But if it works for somebody else, like, great, do it. You know, it's just like, I think people just were in this culture where we're getting not not us necessarily, but like people are getting dopamine from engaging in this way on social media and tearing other people down and connecting with other people through their dislike of somebody else, which is like very futile thing. Yeah. I mean, negativity sells, right? Unfortunately, and, and, and drama and stuff like that. Um, so like, what's your, I, I, I guess just um, putting a bow on this, like what's your advice to somebody who consumes your content or somebody else's content so that they don't like fall into this comparison trap or thinking that they need to like, you know, imitate the same lifestyle that whoever they're following is is doing i always say to take what you see online with a grain of salt you never know what's really going on in somebody's life so that's like when it comes to the comparison aspect at least i just really would encourage people not to compare themselves to the people that they follow online and i can only speak for myself like i know The things that I was doing, like I've talked about in this episode, three months ago, don't work for me now. And the things that I was doing three years ago don't work for me now. And it's like constant, it's a constant evolution 
constant trial and error, um, at least for me. I know some people can be like, I eat the same thing every week and I do the same workout and I'm regimented and I'm disciplined and that works for me. That's not who I am. Um, so I just really encourage people who are following me or following anybody out there who they are maybe wanting to like emulate or listening to my podcast guests, you know, take what resonates with you and, and leave the rest. Like there's a saying in recovery too, which is like, uh, now I can't remember it, of course. Um, but it's about like what you hear, you know, and it's like, it's the same thing. It's find, find the, find the similarities, not the differences. Um, and so I think that you can apply that as well here, like find what you relate to and find what resonates and discard the rest. And if it seems like, you know, if you're listening to Gwyneth Paltrow's wellness routine and that seems completely unrealistic to you, fine, like don't do it, <laughs> you know, um, do what, what you think is going to feel good for you and feel sustainable for you and bring enjoyment in your life. Um, because at the end of the day, like wellness should feel good. It shouldn't be making you miserable. Um, so I think like when you're, when you're following these people or listening to tips from podcast guests or whatever, like do that, do what, what feels good and leave the rest. <laughs> well said. Um, last question I have for you is like, say you're looking into at the end of like 2024, like what's, what's next for you? What would you have liked to have accomplished by then? Like where, where are you going from here? Ooh, uh, I have no idea. I don't know. I mean, I have the things that I write that I think about in my meditation that I wouldn't necessarily share here, you know, certain goals. Um, but I just really try to stay open and just do what's in front of me and say yes to opportunities and see where it leads me. Like I never could have anticipated being here. So I don't really know what's in store and that's exciting. I love that. I love your honesty. And I, I, I truly believe that you've come this far and whatever you're manifesting, whatever you're trying to accomplish and achieve um, is going to come to fruition because you do put the work in, you take action, you're a hard worker. So Ariel, I wanted to thank you again for coming back on the podcast. Um, people are going to get a lot out of this episode, I think. So if people want to listen to your show, if they want to connect with you, where's the best place to do that? They can find me on Instagram at Ariel Laurie and my podcast, The Blonde Files Podcast is linked through there, I believe. Um, or they can just find it on all major podcast platforms and ariellaurie.com. But everything is kind of linked from my personal Instagram. Awesome. Well, I'll be sure to include the links to that stuff in the show notes. And for those listening, what I invite you to do is to share a takeaway. We covered so much ground as far as personal growth, personal development, um, mental health, beauty, cosmetics. Um, we talked about um, nutrition. We talked about wellness. We talked about so much. So whatever your biggest takeaway was, make sure to tag Ariel and tag myself because we'd love to hear your feedback. And we once again, thank you. We'll see you next time.